Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. Welcome to First Steps, Grounding, Centering, and Shielding, the 20th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century philosopher Henry David Thoreau. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr, and I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we did it! <laughs> Nobody laughed. Yeah. Except it's, now. It's, kind of, it's episode 20, so that's kind of an anniversary. Yeah. So that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. And besides, it was a very... We didn't uh, end up moving this weekend, quote. so we were able to yeah. record on time. Yeah. <laughs> Although we're moving next weekend. We're moving next weekend. But yeah. that's not going to interfere with our recording schedule, probably. Probably. Right. Because it's the we'll next... It hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully. We'll, no be, we'll, have, we'll be able to set up in that week, <laughs> and our recording schedule will not be affected by this move. Well, the no. good news is I won't have an hour and a half drive back exactly. from work to home. I'll have like a two-minute walk. Exactly. That'll yeah. help tremendously. Yeah. The biggest concern will be technical difficulties yeah. with right. this yeah. transferring of yeah. everything. Yeah, getting right. everything set up, getting yeah. the internet Making, turned on. Exactly. I've got all of that ready to go. Yeah. It just is going to be a matter of us getting it set up. And then getting, like, furniture yeah. inside the house. All those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. The little, yeah, the little the fun things, things yeah. of moving. Yeah. Here at the top of the episode, we are going to do our housekeeping stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. First of all, we have a new patron who has actually joined us in recording. the recording and patron yeah. questions channel this week. Lorelai. Hello, Lorelai. Hi, Lorelai. Welcome. It's nice to meet you. Yes. Thank you for your patronage. Yes, thank you very much. We also had a new kitten. Yes, yes. we had a new kitten whose name we don't say, but we do love you. We love you, kittens. <laughs> It's a good thing we don't say it because I didn't write it down. You know, <laughs> on the website. I but just, we love them. There. Yep, we do. We got listener feedback form, mm-hmm. which we get quite often. Mm-hmm. I just never read them. We get feedback from, from listeners pretty regularly, and I love all of it. Oh, yeah. Right, we yeah. very much appreciate yeah. even the Even the people who are like, oh, could you talk less? And I'm always <laughs> like, I mean, I'll try, but probably not. <laughs> probably not. But I thought I would read this out because I found this one very uplifting. And this is from a listener in Colorado. Starts out, Mary Meet Car Gwen and Ode. I found your podcast recently, and I'm only on episode five, but I wanted to write you and say thank you. When I first found you, I was pretty sure my patron was Artemis, but it hadn't really gotten anywhere with the Greek tradition in America, which is predominantly Celtic. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Ode especially inspired me to dig deeper, to look harder for text and inspiration. Your episode on monikers and metaphorical spaces encouraged me to find my name and to start meditating. Through meditation on a ritual I found on a festival dedicated to Artemis, I learned my name. Or pieces of it, anyway. A lot of Googling put it all together for me, and it's actually a really flattering pet name that she gave me. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I just wanted you to know that your podcast has impacted me to a massive, incalculable degree. You'll never know what you have done for my confidence as a pagan and my craft as a whole. Thank you. Thank you for your time and effort. Thank you for the discussion and the space to think about all of this. I can't wait to listen to the rest. You can't see my face, but I'm smiling like a fool. Oh, I know. And it's just, it's so wonderful to hear that. It yeah. means so much because sometimes we we have our down days. We have mm-hmm. our days where we don't have a where, lot of energy. Where and it's we're, just, like, we're just like, oh, good, recording. Yeah, but it's like, are, or should we still be doing this? You know, mm-hmm. all of that kind of questioning goes on. we've been doing and, this for over six months now, which yeah. is a pretty long stretch to be doing yeah, a new thing like yeah. this. Yeah. It's just really encouraging to know that people are listening, mm-hmm. obviously, but also that it's that impacting it's meaning, That it's meaningful, meaningful for right. people. Yep. And so that means a lot to us. Yeah. And especially for me, as far as the Artemis connection for this <laughs> listener goes, because I started out with Artemis as a patron goddess years ago. So that's really special to hear. They found their name through Artemis, and it was a right. pet name, which I <laughs> love. I love that. Adorable. That's so awesome. Adorable. I love it. It is. It is adorable. Okay. <laughs> so we're done listener, with our happy, happy joy joys. Listener, thank you for your feedback. Yes. And we are so glad that you are finding your path. Yes, that is a blessing to us. Now, Carr has to read something. Listeners, prepare your ears. It is time for Radio Voice Car. <laughs> Didn't they just get that? Not like no, full, not really. like not intense full radio voice. No. This is a live spot uh-huh. for one yeah. of our patrons. Do you remember, listeners, when we talked about appropriation and how to properly and respectfully engage with the elements of another culture? It is in that spirit that with the sponsorship of our leopard, Akaneko, we are proud to introduce you to the Grand Rapids Kimono Club. 
kimono or a century-old Japanese article of clothing traditionally worn by men and women alike in various styles, and many of them are stunning works of art both on and off the body. The Grand Rapids Kimono Club hosts kimono-wearing events where members can display their kimono and learn about different styles of kimono and the culture they came from, as well as how to distinguish between real kimono and clothing that is merely being advertised as kimono. There is no requirement to own a kimono to join the group, so check out the Grand Rapids Kimono Club on Facebook and learn more about this beautiful tradition. Yay! I gotta admit, I've always loved radio voice. Radio voice. voice. <laughs> I yeah. always have. I remember back in the day when you and your sibling were just little ones, we'd sit by the radio and listen uh-huh. to your dad talking on the radio. On the was, car, in the car. In the we car. Would, we would listen to Radio Dad. Yes, we would. It was awesome. And so it just brings back nostalgia for, for me. <laughs> All right, we have an actual episode. <laughs> yeah, we, do, we, guys. Do. we don't need to talk about my voice. <laughs> It's a good voice, though. It's a sexy voice, honey. Oh, it just okay. is. <laughs> Listeners, right. chime in if you think the car has a sexy radio voice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, he's turning red. He is. He is. It's too much it. compliments all at once. You can't sustain it. As you may have guessed from our fairly straightforward title this week, We're going to be starting a new series called First Steps, where we're going to talk about sort of introductory concepts in witchcraft and in paganism, things that are applicable to a lot of traditions, but are maybe difficult to find, not information about, but difficult to just sort of sort the information about. Sure. Mm -hmm. We're going to start with grounding, centering, and shielding, because those are some really basic fundamentals. And we've had people ask questions about it. Exactly. We've had people ask about it. So we're going to start with these sort of fundamental concepts Mm -hmm. and how to apply them. And they're necessary. You'll find that most rituals will at least mention Mm -hmm. grounding, centering, and shielding, but not explain it. They'll just assume that you Mm -hmm. know how to And it is necessary for not only ritual, but it's necessary for meditation, it's necessary for spellcraft, Mm -hmm. and just as your spiritual journey alone, it's very helpful to know these steps. Uh, Applying all three of these concepts just in your day-to-day life can be very soothing. Mm Mm-hmm. And can help you, like, manage just stressful everyday situations. Exactly. So it's, so it's very multi-purpose. It is multi-purpose, and it doesn't just have to be for your spiritual practice. It can mm-hmm. be for your emotional well-being. Since I've never done any of these. Right. Except once. We got you to Car do meditated once. with us once. Once, yeah. <laughs> We're trying um, to get him into a regular... I probably won't say a ton, although I have a bunch of notes. Right. I probably won't even talk about them, except maybe some of the exercises I found that I thought were cool and that would probably make it easier for me Mm -hmm. to do some of this. I'll probably ask a lot of questions. So you all basically are running this episode (laughs) and I'll be the guy sitting over here going... Uh, Please I don't explain. Understand. Please explain. <laughs> oh, well, throw in a question if it because sometimes there are these like technical terms that you don't even realize mm-hmm. are technical terms. Mm-hmm. If I use any like words that are confusing, let me know because I've probably just integrated them so deeply into my vocabulary. I'm not okay. consciously aware I'm using. Then them. we'll start with a question, okay? What are they? Because okay. it's three different terms, obviously, yep. and they all mean different things. Different things and shielding. Yep, and they're often referred to just as a group, like right? This. Exactly. Yeah. So. The question is, what is grounding? And I do think it's important to note also that various traditions can have have different different definitions for these terms. We are giving you, from an eclectic witch and... And a syncretic heathen. A syncretic heathen, our viewpoints. But if you're in a specific tradition, do make sure you go to someone within that tradition or... One of your your elders. One of your elders or look through your materials so that you know what those definitions are for your tradition. In case your tradition has a specific ritual that calls for grounding, you want to be doing the right kind of grounding. Exactly. Sure. exactly. What is grounding? My framework for grounding, it's actually two separate stages of grounding that happen at different points, and they're two different classes of action. The first stage is the grounding I do when I'm starting a thing, or that I might do in the middle of my day if I get stressed out. Mm-hmm. And that's a sort of spiritual class of action where I... Essentially perform the same function spiritually that, like, electrical grounding performs, where because I am either already receiving or expect to receive a large volume of energy, I am a small meat creature, (laughs) and I don't want it to all just be stuck in me. I would rather that I have connections to something bigger than me that that energy can move into and through so that I'm not the end point. So the same way that you have, like, a grounding rod... 
to prevent electrical buildup. Mm -hmm. I create, I guess, a spiritual grounding rod or a spiritual energy connection. And most people do it to the earth so that that like high volume of energy doesn't stop with me, but can carry on to the thing I've grounded to. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the second stage and different class of grounding action is the thing I do after I'm done working with a high volume of energy and I have closed or gated or displaced that major connection because I don't specifically need it anymore. I will do a secondary grounding to get like reconnected with my body because especially if I've been doing anything where spiritually I like disconnected from my body in some way Mm -hmm. to be more spiritually active, Mm -hmm. I will go eat something, drink something, engage in sensory experiences. So I'll do physical things to remind myself what physical life is like and reconnect with my physical body and make sure like everything's all lined up. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have now, a different... For me, I think it's similar terms and similar ideas, but for me, like the beginning, what you described mm-hmm. in the initial grounding or... Make stage three, one grounding. Stage one yeah. grounding. That for me would be centering. That is the beginning of energy work. And that, again, that is one of those things that can be different based on your tradition. Mm-hmm. It begins for me with meditation and visualization. What I do there is I'm visualizing my own energy body first and then expanding that to out into the universe where I'm building that energy basically from the top or the crown of my head down through my body and through the soles of my feet Mm -hmm. where that energy is grounded in a sense like a lightning rod into the earth and I go down I imagine myself going down deep into the core of the earth so for you, know, you that's centering and not grounding? that's centering for me interesting okay yep that's centering and so what's grounding building that energy and that's also where energy play comes in right, right. but so but I'm what's grounding get, I'm gonna get there just give me a second <laughs> I want to say centering this is also part it's all part of energy work for me right the grounding is very similar to what you describe in the f- focus of pulling that energy back into my body, but also keeping that rooted into the ground and then doing something physical to release that energy. So it would be like, I know in some of the resources I've read, you can plunge your hands into a dish of earth, or you can imagine that energy going into a bucket of water or dispersing the energy. So displacing Yeah, it. displacing that energy into the earth through the connection you already have to the earth, that kind of thing. That's what grounding would be. So I read that you could also do it by touching like a odes Mm -hmm. stone corner. It's early. It's early this episode. Yeah, it is. Usually usually we start with Gwyn. I know. Okay. All right. Well, I like that. Yeah, no, that's true. true. And I've specifically chosen a stone this week I use for grounding. So this is and stones are excellent. I use stones for grounding as well. Just something tactile to hold on to. Yep. The stone we'll be using that we'll be discussing this week is hematite, which the name hematite means red mineral, essentially. Hema, yeah, I know. No, I, I believe you. I've yeah, just never seen red. So I have, a, I have a piece of hematite here with me, and it can actually range in color mm-hmm. from black all the way through to a dark brown or a red color. But when it's tumbled like this, it almost always acquires a silvery sort of mm-hmm. luster. Interesting. And is that what you think most people traditionally That's think of That's what most people hematite? think of as hematite. The reason it's called hematite is because if you pull it on a streak plate, which a streak plate is like a unvarnished porcelain plate mm-hmm. that's used to test the sort of fundamental makeup of different stones, because a very small amount of a mineral inclusion can change the color of a stone significantly, which makes identification difficult. But when you pull it on a streak plate, it breaks up into very small particles, and the color is more consistent than gotcha. a streak plate. Mineralogists will use a streak plate to determine the actual mineral gotcha. makeup gotcha. of a stone. Yeah. Hematite produces a distinctive red streak. Interesting. Because it's actually an iron oxide. Okay. And you'll sometimes find hematite that is banded, actually. You'll sometimes find hematite that, even after it's been tumbled like this, will have red bands in it. If, okay. it, if it was a really strongly banded stone. Or sometimes those will actually be jasper. Sometimes you'll find hematite and red jasper in the same stone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It has a metallic to a dull luster. It's usually, like I said, the tumbled form is usually a very, very shiny silver color. Usually like a dark silver. Right. It's an abundant mineral. It's not 
quite as abundant as quartz, but it's not hard to find. It is not actually magnetic, despite the profusion of quote-unquote magnetic (laughs) hematite hematite for sale. (laughs) Most quote-unquote magnetic hematite isn't actually hematite. It's a synthetic magnet that has been, you know, tumbled and polished Gotcha. To look like hematite. So how do you find real hematite? It, it'll have the distinctive red streak oh, okay. on the plate. All hematite has that. And there are a few minerals that resemble hematite that is long, if it doesn't have the red streak, it's not real hematite. Gotcha. Sometimes hematite will have magnesite incorporated in the mineral. And that is that will make it slightly magnetic. Not like significantly like could be picked up off the table by a magnet magnetic. Like at oh, best, okay. it'll gotcha. sort of like wobble. Gotcha. But pure hematite is not magnetic. But it's an iron oxide. So it's an iron oxide. Could, could possibly pick it up depending on the content. I de- of iron. Yeah, it, de- it depends on the, the mineral contents and Mo- the strength of your magnet. And the strength of your magnet. Yeah. There are a few instances where natural hematite has been magnetized by putting it on a very, 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 very strong magnet and rapidly heating and cooling it. And that can magnetize natural hematite, but it's that's like a man-made process that right, so that's creates not the magnetism in, in, in the earth. Nature. Exactly. The rainbow or aura hematite is also usually not natural. Well, it might be natural hematite underneath the rainbow. Some hematite does have an iridescence, but it's a very, very mild iridescent quality. Not it's that aqua aura it's, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's nothing like the aqua aura or rainbow, extremely strong iridescence that you'll find on most of that. And especially the magnetic rainbow hematite has, is basically just a magnet that has yeah. a thin coating of an iridescent material on top gotcha. of it. And that will, you will know because the iridescent coating actually wears off over time. Gotcha. And my question is, does that make it even a useful stone or just a pretty stone? The rainbow? Yeah. If it's hematite underneath, it's, I mean, it's still hematite. Someone just prettied it for some reason. It's harder to know if you have real hematite because you can't do a streak test Mm -hmm. with the rainbow aura on it Mm -hmm. because you'll just be pulling off the rainbow aura. So chances are if you're buying a rainbow aura, just get it because it looks pretty. Because it looks pretty, yeah. And especially if it's a magnetic rainbow, it's just a magnet. It's just a magnet that has been tumbled to look like hematite. And I think that's maybe a good time to point out that you do need to make sure your stones are genuine. Yeah, there are a lot of... (laughs) And I'm sure I'll cover more of them over time, but there are a lot of stones that are being misrepresented, essentially. Mm. Um, Not even necessarily intentionally. Uh, Like, the store you get it from may not even know that, like, it's being sold to this halite is magnesite or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, in this case, it's being sold as hematite. It's hematite, yeah. And it may just be that the the proprietor of the store doesn't know that hematite isn't magnetic because it's been widely sold as magnetic hematite for a long, long time. Right. Gotcha. There are two other, like, distinguishing characteristics of hematite, and they actually both make it very good for grounding, just in a physical sense. First, hematite has an extremely high specific gravity, which means that it's very, very dense as compared to stones of the same size. So quartz has a specific gravity of 2.5 to 2.7, and hematite has a specific gravity of 5 to 5.7. Okay. On average. It can vary. Twice but as heavy. It's a much heavier stone than an equivalently sized piece of quartz. Gotcha. It's also got a high specific heat. If you have a quartz and a hematite both under like an air vent and they both get very cold, right? If you pick them up at the same time, the quartz will warm with your body heat much faster mm-hmm. than the hematite will. So the hematite will remain cold longer because it takes more energy to heat hematite. Gotcha. Interesting. I find that very useful. Like, it's a good physical soother. So if you get stressed out by something, hematite would be a good pull for, like, a worry stone. Mm. Just because it's heavy, so, like, there's no question that you are holding a thing. Right. And because it maintains that cold, if you're getting stressed out, especially a lot of people when they get stressed out, blood starts circulating faster, and, like, your skin will heat up, your face will get red. Hematite, because it maintains that cold temperature faster, you can like put it to your pulse points or to your temples, and it'll help cool cool you down a little. Interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's a. I find it useful for that, just in those very physically soothing ways. Right. Metaphysically, hematite is just a good grounding stone, just in general. It's got a controlled feeling. It's a good for protection. I get so hematite has what I call a downtone, as opposed to the uptones I've mentioned several times mm-hmm. now. 
I don't want to specifically say like a lower frequency of vibration because I don't really do the whole vibrations thing, but it has what I call a down tone. So it's just mm-hmm. like... Just kind of sits there? No, it's deeper. It's so it connects it. Yeah, it connects on a deeper level and it's got a very solid foundation, uh, a very solid base. I do sometimes get get off my lawn vibe from hematite, but not like a genuinely. So, like obsidian, I'll get a genuinely old man, like get off my lawn, you ruffians, feeling from. Hematite will give me the get off you lawn you get from a kid who's like 20 but was born feeling 80 years old. Gotcha. You might need to hunt a little bit to find the right hematite. It's one of those that can be a little finicky about finding the right person. But even a hematite that you receive as a gift or that you just like pick up because it's the right shape for a worry stone or whatever will probably work with you mm-hmm. if in a slightly begrudging way. Do you gotcha. recommend wearing it or just having it present? It depends. I know there are hematite rings that you can get. I don't recommend them because they're extremely brittle and they break. Hematite, though it has a very high density, is a brittle stone. When you make it into a ring, it, it will snap into a billion pieces pretty fast. Yeah, all you have to do is drop it once on mm, anything. On anything, yeah. Or smack your hand too hard smack against the table. Yeah, or yeah, 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 hematite rings shatter with distressing regularity. So I don't recommend getting a hematite ring. You could get a hematite pendant. I think that would be very nice, although you would lose some of that, like, the cold quality mm-hmm. because it would be constantly warmed by your body heat. Sure. I have just a very large hematite that I keep with me, but I keep it in a pouch where it's a little separated from my body heat so it stays cold and then I can pull it out of the pouch when I need it. Okay. Excellent. Yep. And that's it for Odes Stone Corner! By the way, I got a 10 out of 10 from Lorelai, who's listening in the Hunter's channel, uh-huh. uh, for the segue. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <so. laughs> nice. It was, it was a good segue. Nice. Well done. Oh, yeah. I felt like the ending Stone Corner lacked a little it was, it, Yeah, less pizzazz less on that pizzazz. one. Less pizzazz. I'm sorry. <laughs> you all were yelling at me for being loud. It's hard that's to true. be like, up and not loud when you're doing a ra- you know, doing uh, the, radio, yeah. the uh, wrestler announcement. Uh-huh. You yeah. have to be like, Rah! Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where were we? We were talking about centering. Right. We had well, no, we, we had talked about grounding. We had talked about grounding. We had defined what grounding and is. And you right. defined your version my of centering. My version of centering. Right. Which so. is one of my versions of grounding. For me, centering is a slightly different process. You can do it by itself, but it's one that I usually use in conjunction with the rest. And it's the process of becoming aware of the energy body. Mm -hmm. So it's just that stage. It's the part where I sit down before I've done any of the grounding, like rooting and branching and, and that stuff. It's just the part where I become aware of sort of my central core of myself and of the energy mantle around me at its in its natural state and I bring those things into alignment with my body so that I can manipulate it moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to notate that there's energy around us all the time. I mean, there's our own personal energy field. There's the energy field of other peoples around us, as well as just nature itself. Right. And so really, that's what centering and grounding is about, is recognizing that energy in yourself and around you. And engaging and with it. engaging with it, manipulating that energy to do whatever your ritual or craft work is going to be. Right. So how do I find where my center is then? Okay. It's partly a visualization process, Mm -hmm. right? But it's not completely. I, before I like officially became a pagan, would sometimes become aware of a feeling that my body stretched beyond my body. And I started calling that the mantle. It's what most people call the energy body Mm -hmm. or the aura or, Mm -hmm. you know, that. It's sort of like a second skin. Mine, at least, especially when I was younger, would sort of detach and drift away and explore other parts of the world, like, around me. So, like, the cape and Doctor Strange. Yes, exactly like that. I would become aware, especially in, like... So, I had a long walk for a while between the bus stop and my house. Right. And I would become aware sometimes during that walk when it was very quiet, especially during the night when there weren't a lot of cars going by. I would become aware of that mantle and of my awareness of myself extending beyond my physical body. So having that experience, what I guess is like a mildly disassociated experience of the energy mantle just sort of in its natural statement, it very easy for me when I needed to learn how to do centering to recognize when I had reached that point of actively engaging with with the mantle and with the energy body. But the visualization part is... For me, the core of my identity 
the core selfness. I just visualize as essentially a golden sphere that I keep sort of in my center, my physical center. And then the energy mantle, the energy body, the aura, whatever, just sort of floats around it. Okay. I'm going to completely geek out for a minute. Okay. Is it more like Doctor Strange's cape or is it more like Venom? Mm, it's I'd for me. Like Venom. For me, it's much more like Venom. Yeah, it's because okay. it's a shifting second skin mm-hmm. right. that very much yeah it can fit very closely over my physical mm-hmm. shape, or can transform and sort of yeah like move a, out into and a expand into place. into different forms, forms and configurations. Right, yeah. Now that I'm a little more practiced, I do that more deliberately mm-hmm. to do like trance work and shape shifty yeah. visualizations. Okay, and stuff so like for that. those of you all who are listening who are not geeks, <laughs> I'm sorry. We all are. We all are. So it, we, we it, all it, are. It, all are. And I it think helps a, me. It's, I think it's a great analogy yeah, it for yeah. people who do understand part of geekdom. Mm-hmm. You know right. the various characters. I know for me, it started with meditation and visualization it actually started with visualizing the energy body around the trees Mm. around where we lived i would go out into the yard and i'd meditate for up to an hour and then during that meditation i would open my eyes and just observe the trees what i learned was to see the energy outlining those things right and then that would translate into seeing the energy Around my own body. That's so interesting that you experienced it first as an external Mm -hmm. thing. I was able to grow into understanding that I was a part of all of this energy Mm -hmm. that surrounds us, the trees and the plants and the earth, and I could feel the thrumming of the energy in the earth, the energy body that surrounded myself, and it was not unlike Venom or Mm -hmm. or Doctor Strange. I could expand it to a wider range, or I could bring it in very close, and I could materialize it into just between my hands and visualize it as a ball of energy that I could toss between my hands and feel, and it got over time, it got to the point where I I can do that just looking at you guys i can visualize right. and you don't have to like feeling that i don't have to that. prep for it anymore i can just feel that energy now in my body and in this room between my hands that kind of thing and then dispersing it right uh, back into the ground where it goes and that's over time you can learn to do that either in a deep meditative state or just in everyday walking somewhere But for you, centering involves that process that I call grounding. Yes. For me, that is part of centering. Okay. See, for me, centering is just becoming aware of and pulling close the energy mantle. I think it's similar words for the Mm -hmm. same thing. Well, no, it's we're using the same words to describe different concepts or different stages of the same process. You've taken grounding and split it in two. Right. Where most people use grounding, from what I've read. Right. And again, mm-hmm. <laughs> only from what I've read because I've not actually done it. But people do the grounding at the end. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I that's never, what I, I, do. I don't understand why centering happens at the beginning because I think it should happen in the middle because that's the whole point <laughs> of having the word centering, but whatever. Well, the, I think the idea is that you center yourself. You center right, yourself right. with all that, you know, with all the energy that is around mm-hmm. it. You center yourself. Then they should have called it beginning. <laughs> it's anyway. But then it um, moves out into energy work, spellcraft, yeah. ritual, everyday life. Because you can also use it for shielding. At least I can. Right. Okay, yeah, well, we'll shielding's talk about, another thing, We'll right? talk about shield. That's yep. a whole separate That's thing. A whole it's, again, separate a thing. thing that you sort of do in conjunction exactly. with centering all and grounding. Kind of but one plays into the other, but plays you, into the other. You can do all of them separately. Yes, you can. Okay, so shielding, for me, is the process of, and I'm going to be upfront with y'all, I know that other people source their energy for shielding differently. I am not recommending doing it my way. I got my way from a an organic an inspira- personal from experience. A, from an organic experience and from some personal gnosis, and so I'm not saying that this is the way anybody else should do it. It may not be good for you, but the way I do shielding is that once I'm centered and grounded, the final stage of my whole like prep process for meditating, for ritual, for all those things is to form the mantle, not the core. The core stays in me, but the mantle forms essentially an eggshell around me and becomes impermeable or semi-permeable, depending on if I'm willing to interact with other beings at that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then part of my grounding process is that I connect to, I, I go down and connect with the earth. I go up and connect with the heavens. The visual for that is of a tree for right. me. I call it branching and rooting. Yep. Which um, I've seen 
actually in ADF stuff. So yeah. it's kind of funny. I know you talk yeah, about and, it and that I, way. And, well, and I came to it totally organically yeah, without right. any... Yeah. Which I think just proves it's part of... Yeah, it's, it's, of, a, it's, it's natural. part of the actual uh, human consciousness. Sure. Part of, maybe part of the Akashic Records. Yeah, who knows? You know, uh, cultural memory. Who knows? Yeah. So I came to this organically without yep. studying any other traditions. Right. But So I do the branching and rooting. I find my center. I expand the eggshell. And then because my shield is just me... It is just a shield of myself. Right. It is made up of all of my emotions and thoughts and drama through the day. I go through a process where I filter that shield before it's fully solidified. I filter that shield up through the branches of the tree to clear out half, an exact percentage of the negativity in my innate being. Mm -hmm. And... Then when I've gotten half of it gone, we go down, everything swirls up, and it solidifies into my shield because that balance is important to me. Right. This probably says some shit about me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to get half of your negativity gone before you're balanced? uh, Well, and and (laughs) it probably says something about me that my shield is just me. And I'm not sourcing that energy from elsewhere because I know people do. Right. A lot of people source their energy for shields from the earth mm-hmm. or from uh, deities who, who work okay. with them. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I got permission to do it my way from the entities that matter to me. So that's mm-hmm. all that's important. That's all that's <laughs> right. But I think it brings up an important point that shielding can and I think should be a personal yeah. experience, choice, it can be created very organically mm-hmm. because not all techniques that are out there work for every individual. A so, lot of them are interchangeable, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're not necessarily exactly. just because it works for Sarah doesn't mean it will work for you. Exactly. Right. For me, what I've always done starts with the centering and becoming aware of my own energy body. Mm-hmm. And then quite honestly, it's not unlike what you do. I expand it into, depending on what I'm experiencing or going through that day, I'll expand it out a little bit away from my body, but I'll also make it reflective so that negative things are either bouncing off or being transformed into some kind of useful energy and being absorbed. The other thing that I have done is I will imagine, you know, because I told you, I'll imagine that universal energy, the energy that is surrounding us kind of funneling into my Mm -hmm. being during my centering process. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a situation where I feel particularly stressed or just really need a, like a Mm -hmm. shield, a bubble, I'll draw that energy down and create an actual mirrored bubble Mm -hmm. so that things are just bouncing back to wherever it came. (laughs) But that's if I'm feeling extremely stressed. That's interesting. Your shields are much more like multifunction than mine. Mine is basically just a fortress wall. Yeah. It's just like nothing comes through here unless I open the door. And to be fair, I used to do my shields that way. I got the idea of transforming negative energy into something positive or useful, either for myself or out into the universe from reading a book by Dorothy Morrison. And she's a a very talented Wiccan writer. That's where I got the idea. Because she used to do that idea of just bouncing negative energy away until Mm. she realized, hey, this could be transformed into something useful that I could use. That's what I do with my shielding. It's time for reviews. That's the best one yet. I think it's because you were talking about books. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) He's really into the segues today. Uh It's like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that was really good. Sing it song. was. It was very nice. Excellent. Well, Have you good, been practicing? Good songing. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've been working and worried about moving uh-huh. and yeah. stressing out about everything. Well, it has not affected your vocal skills. Well, no thanks. Love. Maybe if I'm more stressed, it comes out better. I don't know. We're going to be reviewing The Ultimate Guide to Chakras by Dr. Athena Paracas today. And mm-hmm. before we do anything, I want to be clear, because we do not do appeals to authority on this show. That Dr. Athena Paracas's doctorate is in education policy analysis, and her master's is in comparative literature in Spanish. She has a PhD. It's not relevant to this topic. (laughs) And we were given this book to review for our honest and free... Unbiased. Unbiased Unbiased review, yep. And I can honestly say I didn't read it. He didn't read it. He (laughs) Um, forgot. Not that I... He's been a little busy. Well, I've been busy, but quite honestly, I just don't care about chakras. That's and that a, may be... That's okay. 
Right. And I, mean, I think that's right. important for listeners to know. You don't have to be into chakras. I don't care or, about or chakras. I care a little <laughs> bit about chakras. I do do a, probably wrongly, um, <laughs> uh, I do do a kind of a chakra cleanse uh-huh. every now and again. I was told by a Reiki master that I have very clear chakras, <laughs> so I must be doing something right. But I have not studied the chakras. Yeah. I just know basically where they are. <laughs> I don't even know. How I, many I, I general color. Seven or eight? <laughs> you know. So this was a very enlightening book. And it was, I thought it was it interesting. Was a, a yeah. good book. It was a yeah, it was a fine book. It was a very pretty book. It's extremely attractive. It is very pretty. In, and in, extremely attractive. Aesthetically high quality book and it's personally a book i enjoyed I, looking at it i plan to get it just like with the tree mm-hmm. the tree book yeah i plan on getting forest a bathing yeah, retreat. forest bathing retreat <laughs> the tree I, the, book. that's how i remember it in my brain the tree book because i loved it so much that all the pictures were gorgeous right, right. but the pictures are gorgeous in this too and there's a lot of really interesting useful information for me as someone who uses chakras kind of intermittently intermittently eclectically because let's get this straight right now this is not a book that that is academically rigorous. Rigorous, well, maybe I mean, it's more for the casual reader, like right. I am. And, and, and that's one of the things I wanted yeah. to bring up. When this is, we've reviewed several books now, <laughs> and there always seems to be a little bit of a difference of, of opinion between Gwen and Ode, and that's. And I just I finally figured it out today what it is is that Gwen reads casually. Mm-hmm. She wants to get some cool information about something, and then if she wants more, she'll do more study. I'm eclectic to my core. That's just how it is. <laughs> Ode wants a book that tells you everything that could possibly be known about that particular subject. In my defense. In as little space as possible. And all the sourcing. But, <laughs> but have it all there with an intense bibliography. In my defense, this is called the ultimate guide to chakras. <laughs> it's not just this book, though. But, no. uh, <laughs> it has its uh, positives and its... Negatives. Negatives, yeah. I think one of the positives is that it does give some interesting information. For instance, I did not know that Western medicine is one of the few modalities that has zero mention of energy. I didn't uh, get sources on that. Things like that. Yeah, so Ode is skeptical of that, but I thought that was an interesting point. I also liked the references to correspondences with oils and, yeah, and so, stones and things like that. I thought that was good. So, so the book goes through every chakra mm-hmm. and it gives you some exercises and it gives you a bunch of correspondences. And, and normally, I thought, I thought normally... the exercises were good. Yeah, the exercises were interesting. And normally those correspondences would just be a table and there is a table of correspondences mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the end of each chapter. But then there is like an extended explanation of each correspondence. And I liked that a lot. That was really, really nice to have that information, to not just have a table, but to be like, here's why this is a correspondence for this. Mm-hmm. concept or this chakra. I'm going to jump in here. Okay. Cause Not surprising, I, but go ahead. I did like that part because for the casual reader, it does really just give you the information you want. <laughs> right. So I liked the more detailed correspondence mm-hmm. lists. I did find it a little frustrating just on a personal level that only goddesses were ever mentioned as correspondences. And that's the other thing that I was going to mention. Athena Paracas, <laughs> I guess, is is from, is, I don't know she, if she's in a Dianic tradition. Or... I don't know. It is very goddess-centric. The entire book is goddess-centric. And I actually, I did not realize it until I read the final mm-hmm. about the author. I actually follow her organization. She's the CEO of Sage Goddess. Of Sage Goddess, which is also an organization and a store of... It's a metaphysical you know, Metaphysical store. Yeah. store. It's wonderful but it is definitely goddess centric so in that way it's a little unbalanced yeah you don't you don't have people who worship both gods and goddesses represented here it is very goddess centric yeah i found that a little off-putting the other thing is that it's very eclectic mm-hmm. we've we've talked before about appropriation Yep. Chakras have been so deeply appropriated that it's almost ridiculous to call it appropriation at this point. Right, yeah. The chakras originate in Vedic traditions, mm-hmm. and there is a brief mention of Vedic tradition at the beginning of this book, but it really is a very eclectically sourced book. Mm-hmm. All the exercises refer to, like, Mother Earth in a very vague way. It's very Wiccan. It's just a, a kind of... God, I don't know how to put this. Sexless isn't the right word, but it, that's sort of what I mean. Like a very, mm-hmm. oh, maybe sterile? I don't know. Just a very... Meh. Yeah, just a very sort of unsourced spiritual feeling. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't like the Sarah Wiseman book, kind kind of, kind of. It doesn't come from any specific tradition, and Mm -hmm. there are no specific feelings of a specific tradition. Or Mm -hmm. it's not a religious book. It's not a magic book. It's like a very vaguely spiritual book. And for me, as an eclectic, right. Who has a vague interest in chakras? Right. It's perfect. Right. So I this liked is, it. This is very much it's like perfect for someone like me. Yeah. This is very much going to depend on what you're looking for. When I see a title, "The Ultimate Guide to Chakras," what I'm looking for is is the ultimate guide to chakras, and I, and I want it to be like I want it to be like rooted in Vedic traditions, and I want it to like discuss. Yeah. So there, it just wasn't the book I wanted. I think this could have been better titled "The Goddess Guide." The to Goddess Chakras. Guide the to Chakras, chakras would have chakras. been perfect. Yeah, might have been a little bit more apropos for what the book is actually again, about. Because I will although, agree with you on that. It is not thorough enough. And it just doesn't feel rooted. It just yeah, feels yeah. rootless, for I guess is the word that, I wanted. For something that calls itself the ultimate guide to chakras, yeah. it is missing a very important component. Okay, so, so out of a... Uh, one to five stars. We don't do those. We just say I know. recommended or not recommended. But I have to do that because I have to post it all oh, over the, the internet. Yeah, yeah Amazon so and whatnot. I have to tell oh, it that okay. well, for everything. So. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not when I write the reviews up. I don't. Put, no, I don't no put you don't have to. Yeah, I just have to do it, when, figure I, out. When, I, okay. when I copy and paste it. Oh, so behind the scenes, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> pull back the curtain. Out yeah, of five right, stars. Yeah, out of five stars. As a book, I would give it probably three and a half to four stars. As this book, I would give it like two, two stars. So I'm going to end up at three then, or two point seven five. I'd give it a four because right. I I enjoyed the book as an eclectic witch right. who has a passing interest in right. chakras. But if you are a serious student of the chakras. I don't think this will be I useful would, for you. I would pass up on this book. Yeah. So that, okay, so or it's not the ultimate you, guide. No, <laughs> it's the goddess guide to chakras. Yeah, yeah. Because it really is very goddess specific. It is eclectic. And I we mean goddess here in that like really overarching sense yeah, of overarching goddess. Overarching sense of goddess. Because like the individual correspondences mm-hmm. in the chakras include yeah. specific goddesses, but it talks about the goddess in yeah. that very overarching sort of vague, yeah, exactly. ambiguous way. So that's why I would say that is how I yeah. would consider it. So if you're a serious student of the chakras... You can buy this book and then just cross it's, cross it's out pretty. the ultimate and write goddess on the cover. Yeah, it's pretty. And if you're someone who is not goddess-centric, you, pass on this you might want to pass on it. Okay, so three and a half, and it's a lukewarm... Yeah. A lukewarm buy it, yeah. Approval. <laughs> yeah. You, okay. you could read it. <laughs> I think you'd enjoy it if you're like me. <laughs> and like I said, there were parts of it that I did enjoy. I liked seeing that more detailed correspondence table. Beautiful book. Excellent. Like, there's some beautiful yeah, watercolors in it. beautiful right. pictures. Mm. Aesthetically very pleasing Yeah, book. just the text itself I was just kind of, meh, at best about. <laughs> okay, that's it for the reviews. That's him nice. trying to get us to stop. Uh-huh, yeah. It worked. It worked, it did. <laughs> and on to the next thing. We've talked about shielding briefly. Right. Mm-hmm. We've talked about what all these things are. Right. Yeah. And sort and of some techniques. A little so, bit about little how bit. they look I, like. I do have a question, yeah. because I've also seen protection thrown in mm-hmm. as something different than yeah. grounding, centering, yeah. and shielding. Yep. So where does that come in, and can that be individual, or is that more group? Because... I thought of shielding as kind of like when Gwen does casting a circle. Ah, okay. But, but yeah. that's different. That's, than, a, that's a different kind of protection. Okay. That's All it, right. yeah. So there's shielding, which is the sort of personal shields we've talked about. Okay. There's casting a circle, which is to sort of protect a group. Mm-hmm. And then there's warding. Or self. You can do right, you can do it for yourself, too. But it's to protect the magical space, right. to right. create the sacred space. Mm-hmm. And then there's warding, which is, mm-hmm. like, a more intensive and sort of more permanent it's more shielding. And it's usually house. Yeah, it's usually done on a location instead of on a person. It's like, it's like putting Although up... Although you can put up personal wards. Yes, you can put up personal <clears throat> wards, but it's, for me, uh, a ward around the house is more like a shield that goes all the way... That extends all the way around the home. Okay, we got to find something better than so shield the, so I don't get confused with other things. Okay. So uh, ward. ward. It's a ward. Yeah, uh, okay. A wall, if you will. An energy wall. That's okay. that's how I envision it. There's an energy wall. So a shield is something that I can put up and take down yeah. constantly mm-hmm. without much preparation. A ward 
is a more permanent structure yep. for which just... for which I might even establish like a gatekeeper. I mm-hmm. might create a sigil or imbue a statue or something with mm-hmm. the authority and instruction to maintain this ward. And you strengthen it. Right. Over, you feed you it. Know, you feed it over time. Like we go through and we we sage. Uh, we sage, we cleanse out any negative energy that may have been built up that we may have brought in on mm-hmm. our persons, that kind of thing. Anybody who snuck in. Anybody, any uninvited any, guests. Yeah, any uninvited guests that have snuck in. And then we strengthen that ward yep. around gotcha. the house. I see ward as like a young boy. <laughs> or the... Robin. No. Or, yeah, exactly. Robin. Yeah, exactly. No, no. To geek out completely uh-huh. again. Yes. But, We're uh, really into the to the geek the geek stuff the geek today. Apparently, today. Yeah, we need apparently. to watch some superhero apparently. movies when we get done. Apparently. Okay. No, we'll be editing. Yeah, we'll go, yeah. Okay, so I'll be watching Doctor Strange. <laughs> and well, we'll I, be editing. I fly out of town to go to the laundry yeah. Monday. Yeah, so yep. I have to finish up everything to get prepared for that. So. And then fly back and we move. Yeah. Like yeah. The next morning. Yeah, but the next week on. is going to be wild for us. Yes. Yeah. But moving back to yeah. warding, right. I do think it's important to ward not only your home, but your car. Yeah, we have a ward up on the we car have a ward that on I set our up car. last year. You know, and, and things that you care about protecting because, you know, that's. So the sigil important. you did for me when I was nervous driving on ice yeah, that was, was actually a ward. Yes. Yes. Okay. And in fact, I envisioned it as a shield around the car mm-hmm. that would okay. protect it and from boy, damage. And boy, has it worked. Let me tell you. We yeah. just... That's a that's a wonderful sigil you made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very strong. Very it's technically powerful. a bind rune. Yeah. It was great. Sorry. That's a bind rune. It's just a... I mean, they they function in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. Right. A bind rune just uses very specific and forms and a sigil is a different... Like, it's constructed in a different way. Gotcha. And there's different reasons for warding or protection, protective shields. If you are experiencing negative energy, you can put up a ward to protect you from that or to absorb it or change it into something more useful. Right. If you're a psychic medium, such as myself, right. I have gatekeepers and wards up around the house to prevent being inundated with right. spiritual energy all And the time. I have separate wards from the house wards in my room because I invite different spirits mm-hmm. into the house. So I have what I call an open or a semi-permeable gate around the windows and mm-hmm. then a closed gate around the interior door that leads to the rest of the house mm-hmm. so that I can invite spirits into my space mm-hmm. and not have them leak into the rest of the house. Right. And then my main spirit guide, he acts as a, as a gatekeeper. Yeah. And the, he, there are some he allows in and some he doesn't. So, but those are just some of the right, reasons. Right, yeah. And all of that. Completely out of my sphere. Out of your, your wheelhouse. Yeah, out of my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But something I'm very interested in. So, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, as I'm <laughs> in it's the also learning important. process. It's also important, as I learned from going to mm-hmm. cursing and uncursing. uncursing. Well, or the cursing, cursing part. Yeah. If you got somebody who's a witch who to be, tosses yes. a curse at you. Yes, you know? but that's very, very rare. That's it's true. It's very a lot. Many more people think they're cursed. Oh, yeah. than are actually cursed. I agree with that. And the, my point. But is, if you have good shields, you shouldn't have to worry. Exactly. About it. And my point is, there are a variety of reasons why somebody mm-hmm. would want to have a ward around their home, and around their persons and their family. Yep. Cool. I'm like stoked to learn more about it because it's. I'm not. I obviously don't do any of this. Right. Right. And it's good that you're learning about these sort of fundamental steps before you start doing them. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. I don't want to like invite something in exactly. and then not have okay. any of the protections <laughs> so, up or not have any. So let me, I'll go through a, which instance. I think, I think it's good though. Like, for listeners, like, I have you guys here. Right, exactly. So you can consult with us I at any time. I can consult with you all at any time. Having you all, like, disseminate this information in a greater context than just mm-hmm. to me <laughs> makes a ton of sense. I'm glad we're doing this, like, first steps thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First steps first is what steps, we're calling yeah. this, yeah. yeah. I think this will be dope, and it'll help me learn, but it'll also help yeah. listeners. Yep. The, some of the feedback we've gotten is that a lot of our listeners are very new to their practice. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so either me, very new or very, very. Very, very new. Very, or very, very, very. very, 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 very yeah. Practiced, practiced, yeah. Practiced, yeah. I didn't want to say old. No, but yeah, we. I, I have noticed there's not really a middle ground. There's yeah, either people yeah. who've been practicing for a or week or people who've been practicing for 12 years. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So let me go through a for instance mm-hmm. when Odin and I do a basic warding of right. our house for protection of the house. Yep. What we do is we usually start in the living room yep. where we have a sliding glass door. Well, and we start with meditation usually. And we start with meditation to get ourselves grounded, centered, rooted, and Shield. branched, and shielded. Yep and whatever you, whatever you want to call it. And then we use my besom, my broom, mm-hmm. and we have a banishing oil and we use either sage or yeah. lavender or some... One of the cleansing One of the smokes. cleansing yeah. smokes. And we start with sweeping out negative energy. Mm-hmm. So I think... 
I'll, I usually hold the smoke, mm-hmm. and Gwyn will do the sweeping. I'll do the sweeping, and we'll just say basic, a basic incantation, mm-hmm. and we'll do a circuit of the house, and we'll stop at the front door, and we'll open the door, and we'll mm-hmm. sweep out the negative energy. and Any apertures. Any in apertures, windows, doors, and then after we've swept it and closed it, Ode will anoint the lintels, mm-hmm. and then the we'll oil. move on. And so we do that through every throughout the house, just the, the walking the perimeter. Yep. Gotcha. Of the house to create, or actually, well, we created it years ago. Years ago. We just maintain so it we, now. To maintain this protective barrier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do it once a month if we feel like there's been a lot of anxiety a lot of, yeah, a lot of or a lot of negative energy. <laughs> Maybe we ought to do it tonight. Since uh, we yeah, we actually, it's, 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 it's been a bit since we've done it, actually. It yeah, has, we are going to need to... We're going to do it probably before we move, mm-hmm. and then we'll actually tear down the wards well, yeah, so we're gonna on pull our way it down. out. We're actually going but to... I have separate, what I'm calling the white shield that I'm mm-hmm. putting up for the right, housewife. Yeah. And we're also going to go through with Florida water, and I'm going to clean all of the floors that I have that are linoleum, yep. but also I'm going to just boards. do a baseboard just to, to clear the space. So for, it's a good clean space for whoever, for whoever moves, in. moves in. Right. Yep. And then we'll do the same thing when we move yeah, into when we our move house. Yeah, to the new house. Right. <laughs> yep. Which will be somewhat newish. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of new stuff. It'll be new to us. Yeah. <laughs> and what you can do when you ward your house, you can set up a regular schedule of doing it once a month, mm-hmm. or you could do kind of like we do, where we go, you know, there's some It feels of, sticky in it here. It feels sticky in here. We need to do some patching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We'll do that. So it really is up to you. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. You know what we haven't done yet? I have a suspicion. <laughs> what do you think it might be? Could I think, it be I think Gwen's it might... Garden Gems? Yes, okay, I think it's cool. exactly that. Now, I feel cheated. <laughs> Why? I feel like you did Ode Stone Corner and the review better than <laughs> Gwen's Garden Gems today. I think it was Hold fine. On. <laughs> <sighs> Hold on. Get, get yourself... Gotta, gotta get limbered up. Gotta get limbered up. Gwen's Garden Gems! I think there you. we That's go. much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, by the way, before you start, <laughs> Finn Ashburn has joined us Hi, as well. Finn. So, and we hey, have Finn, Lorelai, and this is, Luna. This is exciting. We've yeah. never had we've this never many had this many hunters in the, in the channel at one time. All right, hunters, listen. If you have a question, throw it out there, yep. please. Lorelai said, when I was in my dorms, I would ward, break wards, ward again at the start and the end of each break. Oh, see, excellent! That's yeah, that's really good. That's brilliant. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. For Gwyn's Gwyn's Garden Garden Gems. Gems. What I wanted to do today was share three herbs that are really good for shielding and protection. Three? Just briefly, okay? (laughs) And the reason I chose these three is because they're excellent for removing negative energy. The first is basil, which is known as a symbol of fertility in Italy and a symbol of love. However, the plant is a protector of family and relieves negative energy from the home and stimulates the mind toward contentment and happiness. Basil is also associated with divination, clairvoyance, and honesty. So it's an excellent herb to have either as an incense, as an oil, as a live uh, plant, as on, a your live plant <laughs> on your balcony, which I do. Um, so th- it's wonderful for both protection and these other reasons. Fennel is actually known for longevity, courage, and strength, but it wards off negative energy and provides protection and fortifies personal wards. You might want to get some fennel essential oil. Obviously, use it with a carrier oil, and you can anoint yourself, and it will help protect your personal wards and boundaries, especially if you're having relationship issues. Mm-hmm. It'll be very good for, for assisting in your boundaries. Could that way just others. like wear a stock of fennel well, on my lapel? I was wondering, you could probably put fennel seed or something in yeah, an amulet. Yeah, you could. You yeah, could. You yeah. could create an amulet with this. Obviously, you could have fennel in your garden mm-hmm. or just, you know, have it, it as an herb to eat. You know, right. put it in your cooking. It's an excellent herb for protection and strengthening your personal wards. And then vetiver... Is it's actually a grass. It's good for cleansing uh, and purifying human energy fields. And it also protects against negativity and is excellent for grounding work. Have some vetiver oil, perhaps, along with your hematite <laughs> when you need to ground after you've done your energy work, after you've done your casting of your spells, mm-hmm. just to make sure that you're out of the spiritual realm and back into the mundane. It's also excellent as a bug repellent. So <laughs> it might be great to use vetiver when you are outside, outside doing. Yeah. 
yeah. your rituals <laughs> and your spell casting. Or your Grand Rapids Pagan Pride. Oh my lord. Four thousand like mosquitoes. Brazilian mosquitoes running I around. I wish I had awful. had some vetiver oil yesterday. <laughs> uh, the stuff I had did an admirable job. It just job, had to be constantly ripped oh my gosh. so freaking yeah. many of them. And believe it or not, vetiver, these plants are ancient. Vetiver has been used since the time of the Babylonians for these purposes. I've never even heard of vetiver. I have. So, <laughs> well, I believe you. I just, yeah. And then these three. I didn't think, you know, <laughs> Gwen made it up or anything. <laughs> and I don't know. And a fake legs. Now, these three are also very good, obviously, for growing in your gardens. But basil is excellent as a container. Yeah, it's container a very garden. good container Very plant. good container plant. It does require full sun and not wet soil, but moist. The fennel is best grown from seed and then planted as soon as the ground is warm in spring. So it's not great to keep in a in pot. A container. So um, you might want to actually invest in some fennel essential oil mm. for year-round use. And then vetiver is actually adaptable to all soil types, and it can grow uphill. However, it does prefer warm climates, warm, humid climates. So again, vetiver is one of those... Is vetiver that, one of those that's like considered a weed? Yeah, it's so yeah. It's a grass. Hardy. It's along yeah. the same lines as a lemongrass, so okay. it's got kind of oh, citrusy. Okay. It's, can, you, can you eat vetiver? I don't know. Because we just had a question, is it safe around toddlers? Mm. Um, that's a really good question, and I will let From you know. Fen Ashburn. I will, I will let you know about that. I will look yeah, a Fen, we know how to get that. all of you. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, But thank you, that's an excellent question. I will look to see if yeah. vetiver is something that's safe for... For animals for consumption. and children yeah. and consumption. But otherwise, I would recommend having the essential oils around. Right. It's certainly easier to grow. Certainly easier to keep them out of hands of small children if you put them on a tall shelf. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that is what I have today. That's it for Gwyn's Garden Gems. <laughs> he keeps raising the He octave. does, yeah. Eventually he's going to end up in a falsetto, and I then know. where will he be? Then where, well, he tried that one, but it was just no. No, it was, it was no, no good. It was that, bad. Was, that was no good. Well, I want to bring it back down to the, the baritone level. <laughs> That's it for Gwyn's Garden Gems. Oh, nice. It was nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lower than a baritone. Yep. <laughs> the wrap-up for this episode... Yeah, I think just the thing I wanted to sort of bring home is that although these practices are used, you mostly see them referenced in terms of like prep for ritual and downtime mm -hmm. from ritual mm -hmm. and for spell work and stuff like that. They are like super good to just do for emotional in your and spiritual day. health. Like what I would recommend actually is to like go through and maybe this is something you have to build up to because especially when you're starting out, it can take a while to get centered. It can take a while to feel grounded. But once you are comfortable with that procedure, I recommend just doing it like when you get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me just say, though, to, in Christendom, mm -hmm. when I was involved in that, right? I sucked at morning devotionals. Right. See, this isn't a devotional thing, though. It's like getting up and stretching. Or yeah, like, I, think I know, also... but my hardest thing is, like, I get up and I'm not really awake, and then I go right. spend here's, an hour here's my, here's sitting around my, before I wake up. Yeah, here's my interjection mm -hmm. into this. I think it depends on what time feels best for you. The point is just to make it a practice. Right, yeah. You can Start do it in the with, car. <laughs> yeah, do it in the car on the way to work. Do it Although, as... I'll, I'll make a slight, slight caveat. Make sure your eyes are open. Yes, but no, slight caveat... <laughs> In my experience, if I have been grounded and I haven't broken the grounding, like I haven't closed, I haven't undone the branching and rooting. Up, uprooted? Yeah, if I haven't uprooted and debranched before I start moving around, yeah. I start to feel really like I haven't properly realigned, mm -hmm. even after I do like stage two grounding, like eat things, feel things. Right. Yeah, I um, so, have that issue. Yeah, where, so, and I think it's just because of the volume of energy. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, it is better for me, for my like engagement with reality, mm -hmm. to like go through a full process of closing those grounding right. stages uh, at the end. So if you're like me and like moving around and being active after you ground, and haven't closed the grounding afterwards is not great for you, just do the centering and shielding. You don't have to do all of these at the same time. That's right. And okay. my point is, find the time of day that's best for you, whether it's when you get up, whether it's you're looking after children during mm -hmm. the day, you're at work, during a break at work. And if you don't want to do it every day, you don't have to. And you don't have to. But it is, it's useful to learn to be able to do it like sort of 
very quickly at mm-hmm. a moment's notice so mm-hmm. that in a like a high stress situation you can just knock I, one right. out and feel better. I worked at a call center uh-huh. and on days when I became incredibly stressed, if I had at least one minute between calls, I would do a quick centering and grounding yep. because it helped my overall emotional state. And I would put out a shield, just my own little personal shield to get me through that day. And again, my point is find the time that works best for you. And that can be late at night. If you're mm-hmm. a night person, it can be before you go to bed. I tend to prefer to meditate in the mornings and in the evenings or shift between the two. So pick what time works best for you and start, I would say, start with meditation and work from there because meditation and visualization are all apart. But grounding, centering, shielding, you can do without like engaging in a full meditation. You can also just meditate without, without engaging doing a full any- meditation. So we have different views on this, obviously. <laughs> Because I believe in walking meditation where you can actually walk yeah, and so be present I, and where you are. And I think you can do the same thing with grounding, shielding, and centering. Okay. I just so. think they don't have to be tied together. I think you can do grounding, shielding, and centering all in isolation with or without meditation. And this is, again, where we differ. Yep. So <laughs> it's just one of those things. And you go with what works best for you or what is common in your tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, always check with your own elders first. Don't check trust us. With elders. <laughs> <laughs> check with your elders. And if you're an eclectic pagan. Yeah, check with yourself. Check with yourself. (laughs) What works best for you? And actually, check with your elders and then check with yourself. And if your elders and yourself disagree, maybe assess whether they should be your elders. (laughs) Right, exactly. And it really all does come down to what works best for you as an individual. Because again, as we mentioned before, if it works well for one person, it's not necessarily going to work well for you. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's it. I think we've ended on a completely contentious note. <laughs> no, no, we're just, we're just, we're just agreeing to disagree. We're just we acknowledging just, that we have different we have, we, stances on this there's issue. There's actually no animosity or upsetness. It's just we're different we, people. Gwen and I do this well, all the time. There's way different between animosity and upsetness. And contention. And contention. Well, that's true. So, but I think contention just, is just disagreement. But and Gwen and I disagree we a lot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a reason why we have these this podcasts. podcasts. Yeah. Just because this used to happen every day. All yeah, pretty much. So, especially because there was a mic there in was, front of it and contain it to one day. Yeah, there was a time when, when Gwyn was uh, like officially training me in witchcraft and we had these discussions all the time and they would go on for hours and like it would take months to resolve them <laughs> and that's why Gwyn is no longer training me well, because I, think- I checked with my elder and I checked with myself and I concluded that Gwyn should not be my elder exactly. <laughs> and that's because we are coming from very different points mm-hmm. of view yeah. and very different spiritual yeah different personal paths personal different perspectives paths. Yeah. and so it's hard to bring that together now we come together in ritual and yeah. for celebration with a and lot we, of ease. And, and, and there's we, a lot of things we agree on. Yeah, there are a lot of things we agree on and we're able to sort of exchange information like mm. this yeah. and sort of incorporate each other's studies. But I like just, we have those disagreements, those yeah. sort of fundamental disagreements. I, and I think the most important part, and I think this is why these things work for us, is because it's not my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. It's just Ode's way is different from mine and that's perfectly fine. We yep. just view it or understand things differently and that's the way it should be yeah that's that's why we're pagans that's why we're (laughs) pagans exactly if we needed an ultimate authority we would be doing something else (laughs) yeah we already have no we've been there done that (laughs) all right so i think that's everything we wanted to talk about oh just a reminder that ode and i are going to be at the witch's tea in flint Flint. yep on october 11 from six to nine i think uh, from six or seven to nine i think Somewhere in there. Yeah. But there you can look still, it up on the Facebook. Yeah, look it up on the Facebook. We've shared it on uh, Three Pagans and a Cat. <laughs> I can't even remember who I am now. Pagans? Three Pagans and a Cat. We're going back to Pagans. Three Pagans and a Cat. Three Pagans and a Cat. On the page. There are still a few tickets available. They're $25 yep. a piece, and it looks like it's going to be a great evening. I know we're looking forward we're looking to forward doing to it. it. Yeah, it'll be, I'm, it'll be interesting. I've never done reading in public yeah, before, so that'll Ode be is going to be experience. reading the tarot. I'm going to be doing pendulum readings. It'll yep. be good. All right, that's it for Three Pagans and a Cat podcast today. He's ending on radio voice. This is new. This That's is because new. we're three families and bro- three family members. Three families. We're what? Three entirely no, different families. Three totally at, separate fams. <laughs> you're looking at me going, woman, what's wrong with you? I, I, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we are... 
three family members embroiled in wildly divergent tri- traditions. Wow, forget it. <laughs> So he's trying, the in a he's trying to finally get together an outro, and it's not yeah, working. Not working so guess what? You can find us on <laughs> three pigs for the cat <laughs> on Facebook. That's yeah, a three pack. That's three P A A C. Three pack. <laughs> you can find us also on the Twitter thing. That's three underscore pagans. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can find us on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Enough. We have a YouTube channel. Yep. yep. So you can just do a search on that because I don't want to read you like channel UCJG, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> We're also on Google Plus as Three Pagans and a Cat. We have been forever. I just never talk I about know. it. We are it's now on no Instagram. One on Earth uses it. Oh, you're on Instagram. Well, it's sort of us. I put it as Three Pagans. <laughs> it's, it's you. It's, it's you. you. <laughs> Gwen is now on Instagram. You can find her there. And I also have my own page now for services, for right. spiritual readings. On Facebook. Mm-hmm. So we'll make sure that we link to that on our regular Facebook page if we haven't already, because I don't pay enough attention to the Facebook page. We have a Discord that you can get to through the website. And of which there are still two people listening. Yep. Woo-hoo! And so. we have a Patreon that you can also get to through the website. And that we is have, correct. And, and we, we have love a red patrons. We do. We have a red bubble if you want to wear... Stuff with our logo on it. Okay. <laughs> Good thing it's not with our faces. No, not no, with our faces. It's just with that. our logos. Just yeah. with our logos. Yeah. So if you want that on our a mug, avatars. yeah. If you want that on a mug or whatever, you can get that on Red Bubble. <laughs> I want a mug. Um, of course, you, you want a mug. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm deeply unsurprised. And then I think that's everything. I that's think that's our whole it. like internet presence. I believe Probably. so. I believe we've 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 managed to cover everything that we're a part of. Excellent. Yes, we have. All right. Well, so, I guess that's it. Yeah. yeah peace well, out. Are we done? Like, yeah. I, I think, think so. I think we've covered everything. Right. Your outro is a oh, pipe dream it, that it needs, will never be achieved. Work. So we are three family members embroiled <laughs> in wildly, wildly divergent, divergent traditions. Yeah. <laughs> three, three, three paths, one journey, no cat. I think that was the that tagline. Was that was it. Yep. Okay. Well, whatever. See ya. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.